What's up and welcome back to Broside Broadcast. My name's Derek. And my name is Blake. And today we are bringing you episode 13. Yeah, we're going to talk about some anticipated albums and hopefully they will come to fruition. We'll see. So with that said, let's talk about some exciting news from a not so exciting band as of late. (laughs) Man, you just made everybody uh, go through the Rolodex of bands in their mind. To be honest, I'm going to drag this out for a second, but we've talked about this band on the show before. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this love-hate relationship. It's Slipknot. There was this interview with Clown, and I know everyone just rolled their Mm -hmm. eyes when I said that because... An interview with Clown, what are you going to get? Yeah, I haven't watched too many of them because they're, uh, I'm not the biggest fan. And not throwing shade, I listened to his podcast a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Not the best quality, but at least he's better at writing music. Yeah, that's when I separate the artist from the art. But in this interview that he was doing, he was asked about their album that they wrote back in 2008 called Look Outside Your Window. And for our listeners that may not be up to date or know, what happened was they actually wrote an album back in 2008 at the same time as when they were writing All Hope Is Gone, which is what most people know them by. That's actually an album that I really enjoyed. And that album stuck out to me a lot because it was around the time we were getting another hurricane right after Katrina. I think it was called Hurricane Gusav. And I stayed in northern Louisiana, so I actually ended up really getting into the album because it kind of gave me that nostalgic vibe because I remember being in a certain place. That all hope was gone. All hope was gone. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) We were giving up on Hurricane 2. It was going to just destroy us again. I'm sure someone is upset that I said that most people know Slipknot by All Hope is Gone. But I see Iowa as more of like the if you know, you know kind of album by Slipknot. Yeah. Whereas All Hope is Gone was more of they started already taking a mainstream approach. Because if you listen from Iowa and go through like the progression of their discography, they slowly get more accessible. Cycle Social was the first single that came off of that album and i remember that's the first song i remember by them yeah i mean there was a breakdown in the at the end of the song and that's when breakdowns were kind of coming into the scene yeah so i think slipknot was definitely saying hey we could be that heavy as well we're gonna throw a breakdown in our the first single that we dropped from this album so question since we're talking about the good days of slipknot what is your favorite slipknot song Ooh, okay, it's going to be off of Iowa. I'm going to make this difficult. So what's your favorite mainstream Slipknot? And what's your favorite, not everyone is like super up to date on it. I'll go first because you need a second. So my favorite like mainstream is Duality. And I think my favorite, maybe not as known song was off one of their newer albums that was in uh, 2019. The song Nero Forte. Right. And I like that because that felt like older Slipknot. Yeah, that album was really rough for me, but my mainstream favorite is Duality, hands down. And Okay, I'm glad we share that favorite. Yes, and then my second favorite, it has to be somewhere, I'm going to say Disaster Piece off of Iowa. That's yeah. fair. And yeah. Pretty much any song on that album pretty much shaped my taste for heavier music. 
besides corn, but those were the early days. Of course, and I'm not sure if I mentioned it already or not, but this album that they had written in 2008 alongside All Hope Is Gone, Corey Taylor had said in the past that it was a completely different approach, that it was kind of like this more alternative metal, like maybe Radiohead. Yeah, I remember hearing about this as well. And I was looking forward to that, and I think it's it's been set for release like twice before, and it's just never actually came out. You kind of lose hope, like all hope is gone, that you'll never listen to that <laughs> album. Right. But you get so curious about an album that was intentionally supposed to be released, but then what we got was a, a completely different product. Kind of reminds me of how when Linkin Park just released that latest single, Lost, and, and the story behind that was that they were going to release Lost instead of Numb, but Numb actually came out before, or they decided on Numb instead. Yeah, that's a great point because you have to put it in the context of what would have been back then, because the way music was 15 years ago is not the same as what it is now, so mm-hmm. I'm really interested. I've waited for this for a long time. It's going on five years and I just hope they actually release it this time. I think it, I think they will release it because we were talking about the news before we hopped on the show. And you said that Clown made a statement about him wanting to go back to the band playing with crap with crowds of 100 people. The, the smaller venues. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's really that's not that's not feasible. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. If you have kept up at all with the way that Ticketmaster handles their ticket sales this year it is not impressive at all and it's not geared to help the fans of music it's really geared towards those just wanting to make a lot of money by reselling tickets so although that sounds really cool that Slipknot would want to play in front of 500 people I don't believe that the actual fans would get the opportunity to buy those tickets. Maybe he's trying to paint a picture or create a narrative for the future of Slipknot for us. Maybe he's saying that this is the sound I want. The sound that Slipknot has been having for the past couple of years is not going to be that same sound. Now, I would be down with that. Right. Maybe Jay Weinberg, hey, bummer that he's out the band. But maybe there's there's some good reason. And if they could come come back and impress us with some old some really good old material something a little bit more raw you had brought up a point before we started that this would actually have joey jordison on drums right assuming that no parts got re-recorded or anything like that because everything is just completely engineered and mastered the way the album was made so that would be amazing to hear joey jordison play drums again yeah but I'm also curious because it's an experimental album. So is he going heavy on the drums as he would before? But then it's also interesting because now we would hear Joey Jordanson play something a little different that we wouldn't expect. Yeah, it's the best of both worlds. Right. So, hey, we're curious. I know you had uh, seen something online about Taylor Barber pushing someone off stage. Yeah, speaking of smaller shows... So there was this, uh, I was on threads also where Broside is on threads. Uh, go ahead and follow us at Broside. Broside Broadcast. Broadcast. Thank you. You can also follow us on Instagram. We're there. We're making posts. We need your engagement. Yeah. Yeah. We don't make the rules. Okay. 
We just have to follow an algorithm. We don't get to play them. So if you can help us out, leave a comment, like it, share it on your story. Discord family, please help us out. Which they do. And I appreciate those guys and gals and people. Absolutely. (laughs) But talking about Taylor Barber from Left to Suffer. Left to Suffer. He There was this kid that ran up on stage, grabbed the backup mic, started screaming a screen part with Taylor Barber. Taylor Barber looked like he was pretty cool with it at first. Then the kid lingered on stage and Taylor Barber just kind of gave him a nice little push back into the crowd. It wasn't aggressive. Okay. It wasn't like a um, a story so far. Um, the uh, Parker, Parker Cannon, Cannon kick. Like drop yeah. kicking someone. <laughs> Parker yeah. Cannon, Cannon ball shooting someone back into the crowd. It, it just made me think about being at shows and when seeing that personally, when people go on stage, I, it's just not your time to shine. I think the only time that someone from the audience should be on the stage is when they're crowd surfing and being thrown on the stage and having to go back into the crowd or somehow they're pushed, pushed onto the stage that might not be a higher platform. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just reminds me of punk shows. Like you get in the pit right. and you, then you accidentally get into the band for a bit for a minute, but you you're supposed to get straight back out. Yeah. So, just the whole detail of it being a backup mic, not that he was like got mm-hmm. up to the stage and was doing it with Taylor. Right. Makes it a completely different context. Right. Yeah. Because then that's, you're making it about yourself and let's assume 500 people mm-hmm. were there just using that number because of the whole yeah. clown. It's a slow not show a year from now. Yeah, so the other 499 <laughs> other people there to see Left to Suffer, what if all of them just decided to do the same thing? Right, it kind of... That's that's the problem with that. I don't want it to personally become okay, so... Yeah, because it becomes... If one person gets to do it, then everyone else thinks, well, what if I do, do that right. too? And I'm the one who's buying tickets in the in the seats, you know, lately... Besides yeah. the, besides uh, a month ago when I saw We Came as Romans, and I told that story on the previous episode, but I don't I don't pay to to see kids on stage. You know, it's also the band's time to shine. It's their performance. They yeah. look forward to it. I'm pretty sure they are they are flattered by someone wanting to you know interact with them, and they can appreciate mm-hmm. it, but. But you can go buy their merch and support the band another way. <laughs> sing for, sing from the yeah. crowd. So let's say like someone gets up on stage. How long do you think that they have in terms of like, I guess, number of mm-hmm. seconds or number of lines is okay? Okay. So I like that you put it like n- number of lines, right? Like, uh, so you yeah. get on stage and you have Brennan Murphy saying fucking don't kill my cat. You've got three. You've got three words. Don't kill. My, that's four. Sorry. You've got. I'm sorry. My cat is dead. And then get off the stage. That actually kind of reminds me of like Beartooth playing their older stuff in the more like punk hardcore mm-hmm. days of like when they would play. I have a problem. Which, as far as like the past times that I've seen them, they don't play that song anymore. Which I'm okay mm-hmm. with. I like their newer stuff. Not the new album. Not the new album. But that's a different story. <laughs> 
but like I think if it gets to that part of when he's screams in the mm-hmm. song i'm admitting now that i have a problem i think that's okay to like if someone w- wanted to jump up on stage that's appropriate but then kind of like mm-hmm. we talked about then everyone wants to do that so mm-hmm. i don't know just don't linger on stage if we can forget that it happened then it's okay but if it's a conversation at the end of the show when we're leaving talking about maybe the favorite our favorite part of the show and then we have to interject all oh, in that fucking kid that went on stage. You know, that's not what I want to talk about at the end of the show. Yeah, I guess he got us to talk about him, though. That fucking kid. That fucking kid. <laughs> See, that would just be a really awkward interaction. Say that they're running their merch that night and he goes up there to like buy a T-shirt or mm-hmm. something. And it's like, hey, you're that you're fucking, that fucking kid. kid. It's like, yeah, don't do that. You probably wouldn't tell him anything. Taylor Barber's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. You know, this is absolutely not a rip on Taylor Barber, by the way. Because nobody said anything. No one said anything negative about it. But it's, uh, you sure. know, it, it is an awkward. It is, it is awkward. If anything, I want to give kudos to Taylor Barber because it was he did an interview. And yeah, we're talking all about interviews today. Yeah. But he was talking about Alex Kohler has a new band in the works. And I'm excited about that because Chelsea Grin. Mm. Oh, yeah. The front, the, the vocalist, yeah. initial vocalist. Yeah. That was one of my first favorite deathcore bands ever. And apparently he's working with one of the older guitarists of Chelsea Grin. So that just... Thinking of that kind of works into today's main topic, Mm -hmm. which is the most anticipated albums of 2024. But we will get into that after our first break. We'll be right back. This episode is proudly sponsored by Cold Brew, your ultimate solution for satisfying your cold brew coffee cravings. Picture this, a delightful cold brew experience that's smooth, rich, and expertly crafted all at your fingertips. Cool Brew's premium coffee concentrates provide the pure essence of freshly brewed coffee without any hassle. The pre-measured bottle ensures you get the perfect amount every time. Isn't that like the best part about it? That's right. And the thing that I love about their cold brew is that you get to make it as strong or I guess as weak as you'd like because what you get from like other brands is just weak. This stuff is super strong. I mean, I put it directly on ice, like as if I was maybe like drinking like uh, like a straight whiskey on ice. This is how I put my coffee. I mean, it's got the kick you need. It tastes fresh. It tastes better than every other cold brew I've had. And whether you're a fan of the classic cold brew taste or you just want other flavors like vanilla or toasted almond or hazelnut, cold brew has an option tailored just for you. That's right, they even have a decaf variant for those looking to enjoy an experience without the caffeine. And like you said, hazelnut is absolutely one of my favorites. I love the vanilla option. This season, I'm looking to incorporate a lot of the peppermint mocha into recipes or things that I'm gonna use for our holiday season. And I like the decaf because I drink a lot of energy drinks. So the fact that I can have this and get to enjoy coffee and not have to worry about too much caffeine, that's just chef's kiss. Dive into their range today and enhance your coffee experience. Cheers to embracing delightful coffee moments with cool brew. And back to the show. 
Here we go. All right, so we're back and we're ready to talk about the albums we're looking forward to in 2024, which is in two weeks. How do you feel about that? Well, this year went by pretty fast. And when there's a lot of music that you're able to listen to throughout the year, because we did get a lot more music, I guess it goes by faster. And I think next year is because of this year, I think next year we have a lot more promise and we're a lot more confident about what we're anticipating, especially with a resurgence of a lot of bands because of the new tours that have been coming out, all of that kind of stuff. So it's easy to get excited about some bands that are making new records right now. Right. And on top of that, I feel like album wise, what you enjoyed and what I enjoyed, mm-hmm. even if we don't get a strong year in 2024 for whatever reason, we just have even more time with the stuff that we just enjoyed. So yeah, exactly. That's never a bad thing. You know, there's like still a lot of albums that I listen to that are just decades old and and think about like what we missed mm-hmm. this year because oh, sometimes find, that that's just as good we're gonna find something next year that we slept on and we'll be kicking ourselves that it didn't end up in these end of the year yeah that's what's the hardest part about doing these episodes about songs and albums it's because we don't want to find the better shit next year but it's what made our year and we're confident about our choices but with that being said, I, I do have one album that I am particularly interested in. I think you might have to agree with me, and it's uh, like Moss of Flames. Oh, yeah, for sure. So the last album they released was No Eternity in Gold. And before that, and then after that, the Pure Like Porcelain EP was released. And one of my top songs, my number 10 top song, was one of the songs off of that two song EP. I always say the name wrong Pedestrian Paradox. I know I'm saying it wrong again. Predestination Predestination paradox. paradox. Cheese and rice. (laughs) Pedestrian (laughs) paradox. Like I said, because he says passengers in time, so I'm thinking pedestrian, but then you have the other word, you know. It's something with P, because pure like porcelain, predestination paradox. Yeah, Chris Roeder, just quit playing with the P's. Is Chris Roeder the uh, father of modern metalcore? He has to be. I mean, if not, he's a stepdad. At least consistency-wise, a lot of the other bands that were doing things back when, mm-hmm. I guess, his early career, they've already like kind of branched off to other subgenres. But when you go listen to Chris Roeder, you know exactly what to expect. Chris Roeder has been the liked stepdad of metalcore. <laughs> he's like the stepdad that you like you call dad. Instead of his name, mm-hmm. you don't call him Chris, you just call him dad. I never had a dad, so I can't relate. <laughs> okay, well, I, I know, I was I was waiting for you to relate, and then I remembered that, you know, that's just a weird subject, so. You volleyed that <laughs> up, and I just spiked it. Oh, man, your, your dad left to get, to get milk, never came back, and then I'm just trying to give you a stepfather. I'm sorry. It could be Chris Roeder. But the reason that (laughs) this is on your anticipated, if I'd guess, is I'm not sure if you saw the thing on social media. I'm not even going to say which social media it is because I refuse to call it by uh, what what it changed to. We don't have to be meta. So social media. Yeah. (laughs) Threads is cool, but you know. 
but he said something about he will hold the album until 2025. I guess if people don't like uh, engage or whatever, obviously joking. Oh, okay. He's be- because he's from Cleveland, Ohio, and he's kind of like an asshole like that. You mean Columbus? That's what I meant. Yeah. I'm a, I was an English major. No one vacations <laughs> in uh, Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> right. Columbus, Ohio. That That is a basketball meme that no one's going to understand, unless you're a fan of the Chicago Bulls. I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. And I actually have a like Moss to Flame shirt that has the Columbus, Ohio written on it. Right. Yeah. So I'm not even reading my own shirts. I just realized you've never been to Columbus, Ohio, have you? We're going to have to go there next? Yes. I love Columbus. I have a friend. Shout out to my friend, Jessie. Uh, she has, she's an artist around there and she knows um, Ashi from the bass player from Beartooth. Okay. Yeah, that makes and sense. And they're, they're friends. And uh, so if we go there, we're going to have to visit her. She's awesome. She's been my best friend since high school. Columbus is just like the place or was the place for music because Beartooth was from Columbus now out in Los Angeles. I'll always Mm -hmm. consider them to be a Columbus, Ohio band. And then 21 pilots. I know a lot of our listeners probably don't listen to them, but I've seen them in Columbus. There is star set. They're from Columbus. Mm -hmm. And then like moths to flames. So just a very heavy music scene. Which I'll tell you, seeing Beartooth in Columbus and also Starset in Columbus, like mm-hmm. hometown shows, there's nothing like a hometown show for either of those bands. They show so much love, the hometown does. I bet. I haven't really experienced that that much because we just have Acid Bath and, uh, and I have never been to an Acid Bath show, so... Yeah, I can't really Never plan that. on it. No, can't. But from the EP, I, I remember hearing Zach Pishney talking about like Moths of Flames showcasing in just two songs a lot of what they are capable of and a lot of what they do with their sound. And the reason why I had Predestination Paradox as my number 10 song is because it, it brought me back to the Dark Divine sound and I am just really crossing my fingers about getting a second album that has a little bit more of that vibe than No Eternity in Gold. See, whenever I was editing the part one of the top songs of the year, you had said it sounded like Dark Divine, and then I said that it reminded me of No Eternity in Gold, and you, you agreed with me. <laughs> oh, so which did you is cut it? it out? No, I did not. Uh, oh, okay. Dark Divine. But I can still agree it, because... To, to me, I think it's like a Dark Divine, No Eternity in Gold, yeah. yeah and I definitely. went back to listen to Dark Divine, and I forgot that I love the song New Plagues. That's my favorite, like, Moths to Flame song. Well, mine is Even God Has a Hell. The acoustic and, yeah, the acoustic and the, it's number five on their most most played songs. So, the only thing that I'll say is I want Chris to at least throw in some sort of Game of Thrones or a Harry Potter reference. Eye for an Eye has. His like more medieval lyrics are his mm-hmm. best. I love those lyrics from that album. But I also do love the very introspective lyrics from Dark Divine. I just meant the uh the song names because Mischief oh, Managed right. from Harry Potter. Eye for an Eye had all kinds of um references Game from Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's pretty cool. I don't. What what show do you think he would reference on this new album? Well, there has been House of Dragon on HBO, so maybe that. Yeah, or maybe like um, like a like a different show that's not as hardcore. Maybe he. Well, they also had released uh, Basilisk, which is a Harry Potter reference. True. And that was on the uh, not deluxe. It was just the two songs that were meant to be on No Eternity and Gold. So. I recommend anybody listening to this right now to Google what a basilisk. I, I can I didn't say it right. It's okay. It's a difficult word. Yeah, Google it and try not to have an internal crisis about what it means. Wait, you, what does it mean? You will rethink your life. What do you think it means? I know what it means. It's hard to describe, but that it's why there are snakes on the cover and stuff like that. It's the basilisk snake. Hold on. It, yeah, yeah. It makes you question your existence. Okay, so I'll have to do my homework on this another day. I just took it as the Harry Potter reference. I'm not taking that reference away from you. Okay. It still applies. Yeah, there's a whole Wikipedia page on this, so we yeah. won't go into that now. It's thick. The snake is thick or the <laughs> meaning uh, behind everything, it? <laughs> uh, everything. Everything about this podcast okay. is thick. Double C. Double C. Roadside right. broadcast with a double C. That doesn't make sense. All right, no. let's go into the uh, Hashtag next. double C in the comments <laughs> and, and to let us know you got this far. <laughs> Plus one point on your leaderboard if you uh, do yep. that. And that's it in the Discord. We make All the right, rules. So this, is, this is the place where we do make the rules. Well, we do make the rules. Mm-hmm. So I am looking forward to Whitechapel releasing a new album next year. So they need some redemption from the last album. For me personally, I'm not going to say that right. their last album was bad necessarily. It wasn't my taste. Mm-hmm. That was me think that was me coming from the outside. Right. The reception wasn't that good. I listened to it one time. I wasn't the biggest fan and I know some people went back to it that wasn't crazy mm-hmm. the first time. It's just I really liked what they did on the valley and I would have really liked to see them move forward with that but they kind of took a more like progressive metal approach which i wasn't the biggest fan for so i think sometimes expectations really can be surprising or just you know as a fan you're not you're not ready for it yeah because your expectations are not met or not even close and it's not you waited so long for an album and what you got was just something completely different because Mm -hmm. I mean, there has to be an album for you that you didn't like at first, but then you've gone back and listened to it again and you hear it differently and you start to appreciate it. I can't think of any album right from the get-go from like, Mm -hmm. but To the Hellfire by Lorna Shore. I was not crazy about that at first. Right. I'll be honest. I do not love it when people hype things to hell because Mm -hmm. I question how good something is. Yeah. And... As far as like music goes, I've removed myself from like seeing some of those opinions because I like to come to the show without seeing those other opinions. That way it doesn't impact the way. It keeps us fresh. Yeah, it keeps us fresh. I can have an opinion of my own. I can talk to you about it. And I would rather have that experience as a content creator and just as a fan of music. Right. I want to have my own ideas. I'll talk to you if I want to get a different opinion, talk to our discord. Those are the 
opinions that I want to see. Yeah, because we'll be fair towards each other. We don't try to influence one another. Yeah. I also know. really question people's motives whenever they post things on social media. So Yeah, a lot of clout hunting. Exactly. So, But when it comes to Whitechapel, the last album, which was named Ken, K-I-N, not right. <laughs> Ken as in, you know, Barbie, as was in- released in uh, <laughs> 2021. So we are two years past that. Mm-hmm. I've not went back to listen to it. Maybe I will after this. Just I'm feeling maybe, like I want to check it out. Yeah. And then The Valley released in 2019. So they are on this two-year cycle. But with Ken, it looks like they're going into a third year. And on the Garza podcast, which you put me on, and yeah. I actually really enjoy it. But Phil Bozeman, the vocalist of Whitechapel, was saying they just kind of miss playing the heavier stuff mm-hmm. and they want to get back to their roots. And maybe that has to do with, I'm not sure what their reception was for their last album, but I think it would be very much welcome from their fans. And they've been away from that sound long enough. Yeah. That maybe they have something <clears throat> new to offer. I remember watching a reel, maybe this sometime this year with Phil Bozeman practicing gutturals in his garage Mm -hmm. and it being just really beast-like and yeah impressive because last time they really released a deathcore album was before the resurgence of deathcore i feel like they need to take the crown back if they are Mm -hmm. one of the bands that started bringing deathcore to, to the forefront in the scene the way they did. So it's kind of like we're having that expectation for them to showcase their death their deathcore roots whenever they're the ones that kind of pioneered it. Yeah, they were talking about that on the podcast because Garza is in Suicide Silence and he's talking to the other, you know, big deathcore band of their time. So it was just really interesting to see them interact that way. Yeah, and I didn't watch that one. Yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of Ken, but that doesn't mean that I don't think that they're still capable of writing something better. I think Ken was just maybe a little bit more experimental for them, mm-hmm. and now they may have like a clear vision of what they want to do, and I'm I'm ready for it. Yeah, and I just want to note in 2021 they were on my anticipated albums list. So I've not given up on this band. It's consistent. Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes a band like that has to get that album out of the way. Sure. And just write that material just to, you know, I could only get in the head of a, mu- of a musician so much. Mm-hmm. But I understand it's almost part of the process. A lot of bands will do that. They will disappoint, drop that album that no one really vibes with. And I'm pretty confident and I hope that they do come back with the sound that everyone likes. Yeah, so I'll be ready for that first single whenever they drop it. And I'm sure we'll talk about it on the show, just like with like Moths to Flames. We'll be ready for whenever they drop something new. I might have a new favorite band. So what's your second anticipated album for 2024? So this is something that's not really confirmed, but it would be very awesome if it happened. And this is, I'm going to switch gears from Deathcore to Pop Punk. Okay. This is going straight into the 2000s with a band called The Starting Line. And 
I know for sure that a lot of pop punk, like the story so far, I know that I think one pop punk band out there is named their band after one of the starting line songs. And it might be the story so far. It actually is. Okay. That's cool. So they're very influential in the pop punk scene and their story is super interesting because they were on the drive through records label when they got picked up. And around that time was when a record label called Geffen Records bought out drive through records. And this is that year that Blink-182 had that self-titled album. Mm-hmm. And it was a tough time for bands at that time because the record labels controlled so much of what they were going to allow bands to put out or what image and what sound they wanted them to put out. So essentially the starting line wrote an entire record and this is crazy that we're talking about it because it's re- it's very relevant with the Slipknot story in a way, but the starting line wrote a complete album, turned it into Geffen Records. The record company turned away the entire album and told them to rewrite it. So then the starting line rewrote a whole nother album called Based on a True Story. Mm -hmm. And the album basically is the vocalist Kenny Vasoli shitting on record labels. Okay. So the record album or the record label said, give us something else. And Mm -hmm. they did. So yeah, they said, fuck you. And Mm -hmm. it's actually my, my, one of my favorite starting line albums. There's only three, but I'm really hoping for a fourth. Because I recently watched their live performances that they did a year ago on Studio 4. You can find that on YouTube. They play out every album all the way through. And if you're a Starting Line fan, it it is just uh, quite the treat. Speaking about record labels, there was a show that we both watched. It was on YouTube called No Cover. I'm glad you brought up record labels. But I remember... I'm not trying to burn any bridges. I'm just giving mm-hmm. my observation of based on what we could observe. So whenever bands got to speak with the professionals, the head of the record label and other people that mm-hmm. a place of influence, it seemed like the record label people were very much out of touch. Like they don't actually know what people are wanting in the music scene. They're just essentially businessmen, business yeah. people at, around that time. I, I think that is something we tend to say this on episodes, but I think that's another episode where we have a conversation about how different it is with record labels now and record labels then, because a lot of bands are DIY these days, have their own studios, make their own music. All of that stuff is more accessible and a lot more affordable to just make your own record that sounds professional. So like Brenda Sacrifice, they were independent and now they mm-hmm. are signed to Nuclear Blast. They just signed. So I'm, I'm That's really curious about that. Yeah. I feel like that has to be a business yeah. decision. Yeah. But anyway, the starting yeah. line. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're getting on to a, good, a great topic, but I, I want to make sure that we sure. put a pin on that for sure. The only th- other thing I have left to say about the starting line Uh, and them coming out with a record was that it was noted that they performed the new song live and there were talks about new material coming out because they're also on one of those tour those new tours now just for context i looked up their stuff on spotify real quick just to get an idea it looks like it's the first song that they released since their anyways ep in 2015 
Right. So it's not just like they released something two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's been eight years going on nine years. So like a new song is actually means something coming from this band. Exactly. It means something. It means that they, you know, they're not just warming up and practicing the old songs to mm-hmm. play the festival. They're actually putting a little more time into writing more material and why and what is that for you know yeah because that's exciting when i was watching the studio live performances they had small little interviews in between the songs that they were playing and the vocalist said that he feels like the band had so has so much potential and he loves the album the three albums that they wrote but never that feels like they never really peaked and still believes in that potential so there is a fan base for the starting line. They have a good bit of followers. I'm absolutely one of them. And I would be pretty excited if the new album came out next year or maybe an actual announcement. And that's promising to hear whenever a musician says they feel like they've yet to peak mm-hmm. because that means they've maybe learned from past releases of where they could improve. They still have it in their head that they want to write better music And when you have a hungry musician that is still looking to do better than the last time, that's when you get really good music. It's whenever musicians get complacent that you start getting kind of the uh, music. No, yeah, that's a good point because you get excited about that because you believe them. You believe that they would put out something really worth it. Yeah, I've never heard you speak about them before, so I'll have to check them out. I'll, uh, I'll shoot you a song or two. All right. I know you. I know. You, I know you like pop punk, so I'll pick the good ones. You know, I've written a pop punk song before myself. Only dude, one. Dude, it was really. It's really good though. Derek writes a lot of music, guys. He actually is talented in more ways than just editing. Very good. So <laughs> and that's what I well. used to do before starting the podcast. I wrote music like regularly, and I decided I spoke so much to other people about music that I actually wanted to do a podcast. Because why not? And no one wanted to keep talking to me about music with me. And then I found you and then here we are. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do we'll do a show on that story some other time. Sure. I need <laughs> to show you uh, that pop punk song with the solo because I actually think it makes it much better. But uh, yeah, oh, I know, I know exactly. Yeah, I remember we'll do the that song. after this. Yeah. So right, right. Who else are you anticipating? So I'm not really going to speak about this for very long at all. I'm sure our listeners already know, but Pellface Swiss, Mm -hmm. they were in my top songs of 2023, the Gallo specifically, but they had Please End Me and maybe other songs I can't think of on the top of my head right now, but they're from Switzerland. They're doing big things. I'm not sure if they sold out their u.s tour completely but i know that it got very close they probably are very huge in switzerland right now i'm actually not sure because on the garza podcast which they were also on which maybe we can uh reach out to garza and see if we can get him on the show that would be fun that would be pretty cool podcasters interviewing podcasters that's right he can actually take a break from interviewing people and we can actually give him the platform to talk about suicide silence yeah that'd be fun so garza here is our official invite we will tag you in this chances are you probably won't see it but who knows yeah or listen to it but uh 
I, I watch your podcast. You have good people on them, and I got Derek on your show. So I'm looking up our statistics. I'm trying to see if we have Switzerland in the geographic locations of our audience. I believe and so. We do. Sweden, 2% of listeners for Growside Broadcast are from Sweden. 2%. 15% is from Australia. So if you're from down under, please let us know. 14%. 14%. Okay, that yep, changed. It updated today. Okay. America, you have to guess your own. Comment below. I always like to challenge you. But 2023 was like the year of singles for Pelface Swiss. And on Zelly's Instagram story, I think yesterday, he just showed the guitarist like tracking something and they like barged in and scared the shit out of him. <laughs> it was hilarious. Hopefully it wasn't like the best take. Yeah. Right. But that's pretty much all I have to say about them. Talked about them before on previous episodes, so I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, the band's on fire right now. Again, with the pyrotechnic thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're saying it right this time. I am. And it's also coincidence, again, that we have Slipknot in the same conversation on on, yeah. a, on a, another episode. And Paleface is, Swiss is in that same conversation. But, they, but they're doing it just as good as Slipknot was. All right, so do you have any other bands for your top anticipated albums? Yeah, I have one more. And I mean, I could equally be excited for all three of these, but this one might be at, at the top of my excitement. And that is The Color Morale. And it's been, I think, seven years since they have released an album. And I actually saw them on tour before they kind of went on hiatus. And I know we spoke about them earlier in the year because they were mm -hmm. set to play at the Blue Ridge Music Festival, which ended up being right. a complete shit show. Yeah. So I'm did. not sure if they actually got the play or not. I don't think so. They didn't have any posts about it or anything. And uh, they so might have probably been, not. Yeah, they might have been on the other day. So might have saved them some time. But social media teasers that I've seen for them uh, have been showing them getting prepped for tour. They have a new promo photo and the material that they've been practicing to play live has been their older, heavier stuff. Okay. Which gets me excited once more. Will they go back to the heavier sound? Because they did go to a lighter sound. They signed with Fearless Records, speaking of record labels, and put out a kind of softer sound with a lot more singing. And I think they gained a new fan base with that sound. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think they lost their fan base who was into the heavier stuff before that, mm -hmm. but I think it would be pretty refreshing to hear them come back pretty heavy. And I remember listening to them briefly back in the day, just because I remember going through iTunes, mm -hmm. it would recommend certain artists and things, and I would always download the most popular song. Let me look into that real quick, because I can tell you what they song were easy, it was. They were easy to come across those days because they were signed to Rise Records. So for whatever reason, it is not in my music library. But whenever I find out what it is, at some point I will let you know. So we will update that in a future episode. But it has been announced that they have a tour coming up in January of next year. And when I hear tour and bands getting back together, tour sounds like funding to me mm -hmm. and i've seen stu them in the studio and putting some studio time in i believe that might have been 
them maybe demoing songs. I think the tour is going to fund the album, hopefully by the end of 2004, or by summer we have a new The Color Morale album. album. So hearing you speak about them throughout like this year and everything, speaking about them now, mm-hmm. that's something that I hope to also listen to because that's something that we'll be able to like share. Right. Because I'll be approaching them as a new listener and you are a veteran listener. So it'll be interesting to see what you think about it and like my thoughts. Yeah. And see if we can come to the same conclusion about it. That would be interesting. And I just want to state that the front man, Garrett Rapp, I've always followed him. He is a very influential influential person in the scene. He always tackled very heavy topics, you know, before how they are more approached now because he he really gets to that personal level with his with his fans and right the lyrical content that he has it goes really really deep uh for people who get really really deep down in the in the dumps and his thing was that people or his fans would show up to shows and always have a conversation with him he would give them the time to talk about any issue mm-hmm. and uh, one of their albums, one of their best album, I'll say, is called No Hope, and that's K-N-O-W, Hope, H-O-P-E. Right, a play on so, words. Right, and it's uh, it's it's about, you know, never letting the, the dark side get the best of you, but he's always been a very good, positive figure in the scene. He's a great guy. I met him in person. I got a tattoo of their um, their anchor, which has wings, for the anchor part. Yeah. Um, and I have my daughter's name in that kind of sketched in the, the, in the anchor. So I showed him that and he videoed it and posted it on his Instagram and it's still there. So if you want to go search for that, it's in there, but he was just really awesome to talk to. And I remember when I was talking to him at the show, it was pretty cool because he didn't he wasn't eager to leave the conversation. He wanted to, he was okay with us continuing to talk before he went on stage. It just showed, just proved to me how how genuine of a person he is. So any more anticipated albums for you coming up next year? Anything anticipated? Honestly, I just want a surprise album from a genre outside of metal. Right on. Because I want to go into 2024 and when my Spotify rap shows up, I don't want it to all be metal subgenres. Metalcore, yeah. right. I mean, Sleep Token, you kind of almost got Th- out. That's You almost that's got out. That's still like scene music. When I say surprise album, I mean completely out of the scene. You know, in terms of that, I'm hoping Casey Mus- Musgraves comes out with a really good album. You know, not to add to my list or cut you off, but that's close to country pop. And I'm right there with you. And it's not that we're going to stop talking about metalcore or scene music on the show. We just, you've listened to this for like 15 plus years. So have I. Mm -hmm. We just want to listen to other stuff than this music that we talk about most. Well, because we grew up with different music as well. So we have 80s and 90s kids have grown up with multiple influences. Right. We just all tend to really like heavy music. 
Like we said at the top of the episode, follow us on Instagram and threads at Broside Broadcast. Comment on our stuff. It helps us in the algorithm. It tells Instagram that you like the things that we have to say. And we like the things that you have to say, so prove it. That's all for this week. My name's Derek. And I've been Blake. And you'll hear us next Tuesday. Later.